Welcome to the Mariners cast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. We are coming to you on July 28th, uh, Friday. This is day one of the Mariners three-game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks in Arizona. On today's Mariners cast, we will preview the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll talk a little bit about their history, uh, a little bit about the current team. We will talk today's pitching matchup, which is Logan Gilbert against left-hander Tommy Henry. And then we will address uh, some of the things that have been happening on the MLB trade market leading up to the trade deadline and how this impacts the uh, the Mariners. So Mariners are currently 52 and 50, seven and a half games behind the Texas Rangers in the American League West, four and a half games out in the wildcard chase, uh, sporting a, a plus 39 run differential, six and four in the last 10 games. And Fangraphs gives the Mariners playoff odds uh, 14.4%. Uh, the other American League West teams in contention, Texas is at San Diego this weekend. The Tampa Bay Rays, the slumping Tampa Bay Rays are in Houston to play the Astros. And the Angels are uh, in Toronto to play three games against the Toronto Blue Jays. So, Mariners travel to Arizona to take on the Diamondbacks. Uh, this is a part of the new scheduling where every team plays every team. Uh, Arizona is a team that I've watched a little bit this season, if only for uh, their star left fielder and uh, Seattle kid, Corbin Carroll. Uh, Corbin Carroll's probably going to win the National League Rookie of the Year. He's been dynamite so far this season. Uh Carroll is hitting 288, 365 with a 556 slug. And he already has 21 homers and 30 stolen bases. Uh, he's just, he's electric and a lot of fun. Um, also, I think it's cool that he's a, a Asian American. He went to Lakeside High School in North Seattle, uh, but cool kid and uh, a really fun local player to watch. In any case, the Diamondbacks are 55 and 48. They are four games behind the Dodgers in the National League West and a half game out in the wild card. Uh, they have a plus five run, run differential. They are three and seven in their last 10, but Fangraphs gives them a 47.5% chance to make uh, the playoffs this season. So the Diamondbacks were established in 1998 along with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they won five nationally nationally West titles since then in 99, 01, 02, 07, and 2011. One wild card berth in 17. Uh, they won the National League pennant in 01, and that was uh, their one World Series title as well. Um, those old enough to remember, I uh, certainly remember that team playing the Yankees in the World Series and Luis Gonzalez's uh, uh, game-winning base hit off of Mariano Rivera. But this team is what I think defines the Diamondbacks in my mind. I couldn't stand most of the players on that team personally, and I didn't really have anything against the Diamondbacks per se, but I just didn't like. They had a bunch of veterans that I felt like were always overrated on this team. Uh, guys like Jay Bell, uh, Greg Colbrun, Craig Council, 
David DeLucci, uh, Luis Gonzalez, Steve Finley, Mark Grace. They did have Randy Johnson. I did like Byun Kim, the Korean uh, sidewinding right-handed pitcher. Uh, Matt Manti was a fun closer. He just didn't know where the ball was going. They just had guys like that. Reggie Sanders I liked. Kurt Schilling certainly don't like. Greg Swindell, Matt Williams, Tony Womack. So interesting team. They won the title in 01. That is their one World Series title. Uh, they have been run by Mike Hazen since 2016. He's now their president of baseball operations and general manager. He's the general manager then. He came from the Boston organization. Tori Luvello is their manager. He's been there since 16 as well. Uh, payroll is $116 million, 21st in baseball. You compare that to the Mariners at 136, they're 18th in baseball. So pretty low payroll, bottom third. Statistically, when you compare the two teams, uh, the Diamondbacks are seventh in baseball in runs scored, almost five runs a game. Mariners are 14th, right in the middle, at about four and a half runs a game. Diamondbacks WRC plus 104, Mariners 101. Diamondbacks triple slash is two fit as a team is 258, 327, 432. Uh, the, all of those numbers are in the top 10 for teams in baseball. Whereas the Mariners are 232, 312, 396, all numbers that are in the, the bottom third in baseball. Both teams draw walks at about the same rate. The Diamondbacks only K at 20 and a half percent. Whereas the Mariners are 26.1%. So the Diamondbacks strike out the third least uh, hitting wise in baseball, whereas the Mariners are second to the worst at 29th. Both teams have about the same number of home runs, 120 versus 123. Diamondbacks have stolen 33 more bases than the Mariners. Uh, pitching wise, though, that's where the Mariners make up the difference. Diamondbacks team ERA is 468, Mariners is 387. Diamondbacks team whip is 135, Mariners 119. Uh, Diamondbacks pitchers walk almost 2% more batters than the Mariners. Diamondbacks pitchers strike out more than 3% less. So Mariners 24.7% strikeouts, Diamondbacks 21.5. And swinging strike rate, Mariners about a percent higher. So Mariners have much better pitching than the Diamondbacks, top to bottom. Diamondbacks are a better hitting team. So far this season, uh, you see that across the board, average on-base percentage, slug, strikeout less. The only thing the Mariners really match the Diamondbacks with is they walk the same amount and they homer about the same amount. So definitely a hitting versus pitching matchup. Their park, Chase Field plays pretty more neutral than I thought. Uh, this season, it's a 101 overall park factor. So 1% easier to hit in Arizona this season, but a 90 home run factor, which means that it's 10% more difficult to hit a homer in, uh, in Arizona compared to league average. So I always used to think of it as more of a hitter's park, but this season it's not playing that way. So from a lineup standpoint and player standpoint, their typical lineup goes uh, Geraldo Perdomo leading off, at shortstop, he's a switch hitting shortstop. He's been a bit of a surprise this season, hitting uh, 281 with a 392 on base percentage. He has 11 steals. Hitting second is Cattell Marte, former Mariner. He's bounced back after two years of being really being injured. 
291, 370, and a 515 slug out of your second baseman with 17 home runs. Can you imagine the Mariners had a second baseman with a 515 slug? Mariners starting second baseman doesn't even have a 515 OPS. Uh, Corbin Carroll, as I said, 288, 365, 556 slug. Uh, Christian Walker hits fourth. First baseman, he's got 22 home runs. Lourdes Gurriel, who was acquired um, kind of as an afterthought in the Dalton Varsho, Gabriel Moreno trade, uh, was an all-star this season and has 15 home runs. Uh, Emmanuel Rivera hits sixth at, at third base. Uh, he's hitting 290 with four home runs. Jake McCarthy is their right fielder. He's got 23 stolen bases. Uh, Carson Kelly is their catcher. He's just come back off of injury. And then Alec Thomas is hitting ninth in center field. Uh, he hasn't done much at all offensively. They've kind of had a uh, revolving door in two of their three outfield positions so far this season. Only name of note on the bench is Evan Longoria and Gabriel Moreno. Their starting catcher is on the injured list. Pitching wise, pitching has actually been pretty good across the board. Zach Gallen. Uh, 136 and two-thirds innings with a 3.36 ERA. He is a top 10 pitcher in baseball. Um, the Mariners are lucky to miss him in this series. Tommy Henry, who we'll go over later, uh, is a left-handed starter. Uh, we'll talk about him in a minute. Brandon Fott is their top pitching prospect who they brought up. He's only thrown 31 and two-thirds innings, but he's got an 8.81 ERA, so he's figuring it out still. Kyle Nelson, young right-handed pitcher, 39 innings, three ERA and then uh Merrill Kelly is there is rounds out the staff 101 innings with a 3.12 ERA. So you look at those names and they're not particularly impressive outside of Zach Gallen, but you've got three of the five starters that are um right around and just above a three ERA. So they've been effective, those starters have. Uh bullpen, a little bit less so They've got some good pitching on the injured list as well. Kyle Davies, Dre Jameson, uh, Cole, uh, Sulcer. And then their minor leagues, they've got a very, not a very good minor league system. You compare that to, you know, the Mariners system as an example. Blake Walston's a left-handed starter in AAA who's on his way up. He's okay. I think he's more of a back-of-the-rotation type of guy. Yvonne Melendez, big right-handed slugger out of uh, UT Austin, was their second-round pick last season. He's in double-A, but there's still questions as to whether his hit tool will uh, will translate in, in Major League Baseball. And the other three of note, Jordan Lawler, top shortstop prospect. Christian Robinson, who's been out of baseball with off-the-field stuff the last couple of seasons, has gotten back. He was their top prospect, however, in 2021. And then Andrew Jones' son, Drew Jones, was their top pick, number two overall uh, last year. He has um, been in, injured quite a bit since being drafted, but very talented. So you compare that to what the Mariners have, and there's really no comparison between the two. So not a lot of help on the way. Uh, I think an offense that has overperformed projections so far this season and a pitching staff that doesn't look great on paper, and yet – this team has almost a 50% chance of making the playoffs. So they've gotten some luck this season. They certainly have got a lot of offense. Corbin Carroll's a superstar. Um, but I think that uh, the Mariners match up well against 
the Diamondbacks, and I think that the Mariners should stand a very good chance of winning two of three in this series, especially the fact that they're avoiding uh, Zach Allen in this series. So let's get to the pitching matchup. We'll go over um, Logan Gilbert and Tommy Henry. That's today's matchup, as I said. Gilbert is 8-5 and five with a 3.88 ERA and a 104 whip. 4.4% walk rate, 24.4% K rate. Um, split Platoon splits between lefties and righties is pretty much even. Uh, Four-seam slider, curveball splitter mix, as most of you know. I want to see him throw that splitter even more. I think it's his best pitch at this point in time. Uh, he's throwing it 14% of the time. What's cool about Gilbert, so we've said this before, where his four-seamer was his plus pitch coming into uh, Major League Baseball, and it's now his least effective pitch, but his off-speed has gotten much, much better. And statistically, he's at a point now where his slider, his curve, and his splitter are all 30% and above whiff rate. And that's a very good positive sign uh, moving forward for Logan Gilbert that he has three pitches with a 30 plus whiff rate. I think that while I've said that I think his ceiling is that of a number two starter, I still think he's very valuable. And we're seeing that on the trade market, which we'll discuss in a minute. Uh, He faces Tommy Henry. We'll go into a little more depth with him. Tommy Henry is a left-handed starter. He's 25 years old, 6'3", 205. He was drafted 74th overall by the Diamondbacks in 2019 out of the University of Michigan. Go Blue. Uh, Number 12 prospect by pipeline um, in the Diamondbacks organization in 21. Again, so far this season, he's 5-3 and with a 401 ERA and a 137 whip. Only 58 strikeouts in 83 innings. Uh, 9.6% walk rate, 16.3% K rate, and a 36.8% ground ball rate. So he's a fly ball pitcher who doesn't strike a lot of hitters out. Uh, he leads with his fastball and then kind of even change up curve and then mixes in a little bit of a slider. Uh, the only pitch over 30% whiff rate is his changeup at 33.8. Uh, he throws his fastball, averages about 91 on the fastball. 84 on the changeup, 79 on the curve, and 83 on the slider. So slider is not quite hard enough to be a um, knockout slider. You want to you're looking for kind of 85 miles an hour or so and above. Um, so fastball changeup really, and then mixes in that curveball. Zone contact rate about league average. Uh, chase contact rate is six percent higher than league average. So when hitters chase. Uh, pitches out of the zone from Tommy Henry, they make more contact than normal, um, meaning there's probably less, the stuff is of less quality, there's probably a little less deception than um, you would want. And then his whiff rate is 2% below league average. So kind of your average softer tossing left-handed starter um, of value to a major league team, back of the rotation type. Mariners, you can't say that the Mariners are going to hit a pitcher hard because every time I say that and statistically it looks like they will they end up getting shut out by some dude that you wouldn't think they should um, so I'm not I'm gonna lay, uh, lay off making any predictions about what the Mariners might do against Tommy Henry but the numbers say they should be able to hit um off of him a bit 
He does surrender, like I said, a lot of fly balls. So if they can time him up, um, look for some of the, the right-handed power to do well against him. So Gilbert against Henry. Mariners are clearly uh, have the advantage in this pitching matchup. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's always fun to see the Mariners play in places, too, that you're not used to seeing them. Um, in Arizona, certainly that place, at least for me. So Gilbert against Henry tonight, game two. On Saturday at 5.10 is Brian Wu against Brandon Fott. If you would have asked 100 baseball fans who was the better prospect, Wu or Fott, um, coming into the season, they would say Fott. My buddy Matt is a big Brandon Fott uh, proponent. We had lots of arguments about him coming into the season. Brian Wu, in my mind, is clearly more valuable to Major League teams at this point in time, having seen what he's done. And I think that just speaks to organizationally the difference between the two um pitching development programs uh so Wu against fought on saturday and then sunday at 110 it's luis castillo against merrill kelly but hopefully the mariners can win two of three in this um this is going to be a pivotal series as far as which direction the mariners move um at the deadline I did go back and look at, I wanted to see how many games the Mariners had against uh, Anaheim, or I guess the Los Angeles Angels, uh, Houston, and Texas. And what just to see if, you know, the Mariners can make up ground, because like I said, they're seven and a half games back of the Rangers, but would getting hot, I guess, uh, against the American League West, get the Mariners to a place where they could win the American League West or contend. And because that to me is really the question when you're at the deadline is if you do get on a hot streak, are you going to make the playoffs or are you going to fall just short? If you're falling just short, don't mortgage anything, hang tight, get better in 24. If you have a shot, then you at least have to do some stuff on the margins and potentially take a bigger chance. So Mariners have seven games against the Angels left. The Mariners have six games against the the Astros, and they have seven games against the Rangers. However, of the Mariners' last 10 games this season, seven of them are against the Rangers and three of them against the Astros. So you got your last 10 games against the two teams that are currently in front of you. So if the Mariners do get hot, if there are injuries on other teams – they do have a shot. It's an outside shot, but they have a shot, especially with that many games remaining against each of those teams. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, so trade deadline wise, I have some thoughts about the the trades that have happened over the last couple of days, how they impact the Mariners and what this means, um, what I think the Mariners will do because of it. So I was a big proponent of Jorge Soler. I think it was a good fit on the Mariners as their full-time DH uh, would have allowed Mike Ford to move to first base some, give Ty France some breaks against uh, tough right-handers because he's struggling. But Miami yesterday traded two prospects, an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old, for closer David Robertson with the New York Mets. Um, This is the type of move a team in contention makes. You do not trade two prospects for a reliever if you are 
you don't believe you're going to contend. That's pretty obvious, but they just kind of played their cards right there. Now, as a side note, you had a bunch of Mets writers and fans ripping this trade, trashing this trade. You just traded your closer for two, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old. What are you doing? This is, I get annoyed because Marco Vargas, the infielder they traded for was 18, is just became, according to Pipeline at least, became the Mets' number six prospect in their system. You just traded a relief pitcher for your new number six prospect. Now, just because the dude is, is the kid is 18, doesn't mean he's less valuable, right? Like he could be a star. And those are the kinds of trades smart teams make where when you realize you're not in contention, you go collect talent, you collect young players. And a lot of times those players end up becoming good. And you think to yourself, how the heck did this team acquire this player? And it's because they made this random trade, right? Down like the Pirates have Andy Rodriguez, who's a top catching prospect and a really good hitter. And he was acquired essentially as a throw-in and a, and a no-name in the Joe Musgrove trade. And I just, I, you have to give these trades time. And so trading a reliever for two prospects who rank in your top 17 now, a switch hitting catcher and an infielder who who's in who's number six is that's a smart trade. It's the kind of trade teams that are building long term and short term should be making. So rant over in any in any rate, Jesus Sanchez, who I liked as a bat for the Mariners, and Jorge Soler, I believe, are now off whether they were on the market or not, they are now off the market and not um targets for the Mariners because Miami has shown their cards as a buyer. The Angels, in big news, took Shohei Otani off the market um, and are all in. So they have decided we are going to make a huge push to make the playoffs. We are buyers. We want to continue to try to woo Shohei Otani to re-sign with the Angels. We are going to make the biggest push for the playoffs that we've made since he's been here. So they traded Edgar Carroll. And Kai Bush, Kai Bush, left-handed starting pitching prospect who I think was probably a back-of-the-rotation starter. But Caro is is one of the top catching prospects in baseball. Offensive catcher, um, really good hitter, young player, but highly regarded. And they traded those two for Lucas Giolito, starting pitcher for the White Sox, and um, Reynaldo Lopez, who is a is, was a starter who's become a hard-throwing reliever. Uh, Giolito is a rental. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's from LA. Uh, he, I think his reputation at times is better than his actual production, but at minimum, he's probably a, an innings eating for ERA starter for that team. He could be a little bit better. And Lopez has a big arm, but has not pitched very well this season. Uh, they're building a very veteran roster. They already have, you know, they picked up Mike Moustakis. Uh, they've got Logan O'Hoppy, their, their rookie catcher, potentially coming off of the injured list. So they've got, you know, they're building depth. And I think that this trade obviously signals that they're all in. I think, I don't think they're done making trades. Um, they're trying to push and I can't blame them for, for doing it. If it was me, 
as the Angels GM, I think I would have, if the chances of re-signing Otani are slim or even less than 50% in my mind, I would have dealt him because I think you would have gotten a huge, huge return, but you can't blame him for making this move. Um, kind of like it, kind of admire it, to be honest with you. I just wouldn't have traded for Giolito or Lopez. I also don't think this changes the Mariners' uh, approach because I don't really believe that the Angels are true contenders in the American League West. Um, Lucas Giolito does not uh, move the needle for me. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez is just a bullpen arm and not a great one. And I think it weakens them down the road because Edgar Caro is a, is a true prospect, a very, very good prospect. He is not quite Henry Ford in part because he's, um, well, he's just not quite Henry Ford, but he's close. And it would be if we traded as if we traded Henry Ford and, uh, or Henry Ford. I keep saying that it's my Michigan roots, Harry Ford, excuse me. It's as if we traded Harry Ford. And let's say Taylor Dollard or someone like that for a veteran pitcher and a relief pitcher. It just doesn't move the needle for me again. But the Mariners, I think, stay the course despite what the Angels have done. Uh, Everything that I'm seeing is that they're not willing to trade Logan Gilbert, Brian Wu, or Bryce Miller. I think a lot of those rumors are coming from other teams who want the Mariners to trade those guys, right? And I don't think that they're available unless, as I said, like an, as an example, unless the Cardinals are making Jordan Walker available. I don't think, think they're available for a Brendan Donovan type. Uh, but it does sound like, according to Jerry DePoto, when they asked him about what to do about the uh, young pitching, young pitchers relief, or excuse me, young pitchers, innings cap like Brian Wu because of uh, his injury history and the ramp up to this season. He said that they have internal um, options. That internal option has to be Emerson Hancock. I can't see it being because he, he didn't speak very positively about Marco Gonzalez's health. It has to be Hancock because Dollard is the only other name I think that is makes any sense at all who has the talent to pitch in the major leagues. The rest of the of the the pitchers that the Mariners have in double and triple A are not truly major league talent unless maybe Juan Mercedes, but I don't even think Juan Mercedes, Prelander Barrow is a reliever. And so it's gotta be Hancock in my mind that is going to be the replacement for Brian Wu. Once Wu hits that innings cap, I like it. I think it's smart. I would hold on to the pitching. Um, the Mariners don't know what they have left in Robbie Ray coming back off of uh, injury next season. Marco Gonzalez, I think, is not really a part of this rotation anymore. So, But you need six, and Hancock is that sixth. So I think Wu replaces Hancock. I think they hold on to their pitching. Um, I think if they make a deal, it's going to be – either with prospects or, you know, maybe a Paul Seawald uh, or Teoscar Hernandez. But I even doubt that. I think Seawald would be the, in my mind, the most likely. Tom Murphy has become too good of a hitter against left-handed pitching, I think, to trade, to be honest with you. 
And I think Tail is a part of this team. I don't think they trade Tail unless they b- truly believe they cannot make the playoffs. Um, and if that's the case, you trade Seawald because he has another year of control. And I think you get the biggest package back for him. But if the Mariners are looking to make a trade to boost them towards a playoff berth, the four names that are most, I think, interesting to me and available are Tommy Pham, Cody Bellinger, Ian Happ, and Jimer Candelario. Tommy Pham, the Mets obviously look like they're probably not contending in their minds. So they traded Robertson. I expect them to trade other players like Pham. Pham is on a one-year deal, 35-year-old outfielder. I've talked about him in the past. I think he would slot in very well with this Mariners team. He would become, uh, I guess, the A.J. Pollock, but play more. That right-handed hitting veteran uh, corner outfielder. But I think he would play against right-handers a lot more. He's hitting 266, 349 with a 464 slug this season. Uh, nine homers, 11 steals, and 11.5% walk rate. I think he'd be a huge addition. I've always been a Tommy Pham fan. He's salty. He's gritty. Uh, he's snarly. Uh, he's got an edge to him, just like uh, Jose Caballero. I think he'd be a great addition, and I don't think he would cost that much. I would assume, given the Mets' Robertson trade and their return, that they would take a minor leaguer back for Pham. Cody Bellinger would cost a lot more. Every team in contention wants him. He's had a huge bounce back year. He's currently hitting 317, 364, 546. So a 910 OPS, 15 home runs, 12 steals. Uh, not quite as much power as he had in his in his MVP year, but Bellinger would be an enormous addition for the Mariners. But I do think it would take a heck of a lot more than the Mariners are willing to give up as of right now. Um, he is a rental as well. Uh but the Yankees, you know, all the big names are looking to, re- to acquire him. So he'd be great. I don't think the Mariners are in on him, um, seriously. Ian Happ is the next one. He is a corner outfielder for the Cubs, the switch hitter. Played second last in uh, 2021, but I think the Mariners could try to shoehorn him in at second base. Uh, 246, 372 on base, 388 slug, nine homers, nine steals, and a 16.1% walk rate. Um, I'd love to see him play second. You would give up a lot of defense having him there, but I don't think he would cost a ton either. He did does have a contract that's kicking in in 24 for 61 million over three years. Um, if he can continue to produce that kind of on base percentage and get back to being a high teens, low 20s home run hitter, um, he'd be more than worth it. But keep an eye on him. And then the last one is Jamer Candelario, third baseman for the Washington Nationals. I know a lot of teams are after him as well. I don't think he would cost a ton. 29 years old, switch hitter. He is hitting 253, 333, 479. He has 16 home runs. Um, I'm not a huge fan of him, mostly because... I just, I think he's kind of league average, but he would probably take uh, some at bats away from Ty France, I would assume. Uh, I'm checking right now to see if he played some second base uh, in his career. I don't recall. I want to say that he did, but I don't know if that's for sure. Um, This season, he is purely a third baseman. Uh, 
but he's an interesting one. Um, I think that he would be a slight upgrade. I wouldn't want to get in a bidding war for him. I think he would, again, slot in at first base and be a part of the Mike Ford, Ty France, now Candelario, Eugenio Suarez, timeshare sort of situation. But Tommy Pham would be my guy. He's the most available. He'd probably come at the, uh, would be the least expensive at the lowest cost. But interesting, lots of stuff going on. Trade deadline is is fast approaching. You got teams that you thought you might be able to acquire players from, like Miami, becoming buyers. Uh, Mets are sellers. Angels are buyers. Don't think the Mariners are giving up pitching. Uh, and a fun series in Arizona against lo- a team led by a local kid in Corbin Carroll and former Mariners top prospect Cattell Marte. So enjoy tonight's game. Logan Gilbert against Tommy Henry. Again, I think this series is going to play a huge part in whether the Mariners are uh, buyers or sellers at the end of this weekend. So enjoy this we- uh, tonight's game. Enjoy this weekend's game. I'm going to try to do at least one Mariners cast uh, either Saturday or Sunday. We certainly will will ramp it up Sunday, Monday, heading into that deadline. But enjoy tonight's game. Should be fun. Thank you for listening to the Mariners cast. Again, we are presented by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S. M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, y'all. Enjoy your Friday. Get that weekend started. Peace.